everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Series Future of Insurance. I am thrilled today to have Jim Dwayne, the CEO for the U.S. for Bold, here with me today. Jim, welcome. It's a great honor and a great privilege to have you joining us today. Thank you, Denise. It's great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. One of the things I like to do, Jim, I mean, I think that you're pretty well known in the industry, but you never know. I'd like you to introduce yourself and give a little bit of background about yourself and the companies. I have been in and around insurance for the better part of 30 years. I spent the first, you know, I'll call it two thirds to three fourths of it working for carriers. I spent 20 years at AIG and I spent about seven and a half years prior to that with the travelers. But in 2016, I left the insurance carrier industry and I jumped into technology for the first time in partnership with a couple former colleagues. I helped them start uh, really the first insure tech I had the privilege of being a part of. But in uh, late 2019, I saw what was beginning to coalesce around Bolt Tech. And it just so happened that a handful of my former colleagues at AIG, in particular, a guy named Rob Shimmick, who was leading it, were really beginning to do some super interesting things. So, you know, they say in this world and they say in this industry that you don't just go to work for companies, you go to work for people and culture. And really, that was what initially drew me to Bolt. Bolt itself is the US operation of Bolt Tech, and Bolt has been a part of Bolt Tech since prior to. Boltech's launch in 2020. But globally, Boltech is we try to bring kind of protection and insurance, you know, products and services to a wide array of different places and, and situations. And we do it through technology. You know, we are a technology company first. We do it by embedding insurance. We do it by providing companies the ability to offer choice, right? So not all coverages are simple. So having choice, meaning multiple options, multiple quotes for one particular quoting opportunity. And we also do it what we call Bolt One, which is most people listening to this podcast will be very familiar with the concept of buying a plane ticket. And at the end of the plane ticket purchase, you have the opportunity to buy travel protection insurance or trip protection insurance. That's an example of, of a more simple point of purchase. But Either way you slice it, um, Bolt sits at multiple different places within the kind of insurance and protection ecosystem. And I look forward to over the next hour or next 30 minutes or so, kind of getting a little more into the details and explaining that more fully. You know, it's kind of funny, Jim, I had a similar kind of path and journey through this industry, first on the carrier side with a number of carriers. 
and then moved into the technology side. I think what's really interesting is from a technology perspective, particularly during the interior tech space, you know, everybody was like, oh, let's build all of this technology, but a lot of them didn't really understand insurance. And I think bringing that expertise and that knowledge and experience on the insurance side into the technology really is tremendously valuable for companies who are really trying to focus at doing some interesting and different things for the industry to innovate. Actually, we consider that one of the things I think we're most proud of as a company, Not this is not about commercial, but it's kind of core who we are and what we do on behalf of the insurance industry and the non-insurance industry looking to sell insurance is we are looking basically, if you were to take all of the Bolt US employees, roughly 50% of them are the ones that are here in the United States squaring off against our customers and future customers. We tend to weigh more heavily to the insurance background, but then we have a majority of our technology, our R&D, our engineering, our product uh, development center in Tel Aviv, Israel. And for those that have been kind of bouncing around the insure tech industry for any length of time, you know that in Tel Aviv, Israel represents probably one of the largest concentrations of insurance technology talent. So we're really proud of the fact that really 50% of the company is made up of kind of insurance folk and 50% of the company is made up of pure hardcore insurance technology people. So I think that's one of the things that really differentiates us elsewhere within the industry. You're really part of this fast-growing international insurtech, and you've really fueled growth and have had an impact in the market. In fact, you guys just recently raised a lot more money, particularly during a difficult time of raising money. So congratulations on that. Talk about what it's been like being a part of that, you know, coming from what I kind of say, the traditional kind of slow, risk-adverse carrier perspective into this, you know, fast-moving insurtech. Yeah. So first of all, thank you very much. We're super, super proud. Just yesterday, actually, we announced yeah. the conclusion of our Series B, where we raised $196 million, which for those that have had any experience in raising money, the last six months to a year have been extraordinarily challenging for insurtechs to raise money. But we were able to raise an up round with what we believe to be the largest Series B, equity-only Series B, led by Tokyo Marine which is a first insurance company in Japan, 140-year-old company. So we're really, really proud of the Series B with Tokyo Marine as the lead. But we feel like we kind of earned it, right? You know, we are currently running at a rate of about 40% year over year. And Denise, speaking to the comment you just made about our growth, we're really proud of that 40% year over year growth. But I think one of the key things that differentiates us and one of the key things that enabled us to accomplish this in this very difficult market is that we have a clear, transparent, and convincing path to profitability. So we will be profitable by 2024 as we enter 2024. And I think that was really critical in terms of our ability to raise these funds. So super, super exciting to be a part of that. It's kind of once you jump the fence, you you can't ever envision yourself going back. Uh, and it, again, Denise, you've done it yourself, right? It's it's yeah. exciting. It's fast moving. It allows you to kind of free your mind to innovate and to create. And I think most people in this world are going to be attracted to that. Couldn't agree more. I think it just kind of empowers people to really think outside the box, think differently, and to really truly innovate, you know, outside of the the day-to-day operations are really a huge focus of the insurance company. They're serving their customers. It's a whole different kind of experience. So one of the things we talked about, Jim, that you guys are very much focused in on is about the democratization of distribution. Explain what you mean by that and how does embedded insurance further that democratization 
you know, because we're really seeing a really high interest in some of our primary research with both consumers and SMBs, a very strong interest in embedded insurance and other channels, you know, that you guys are involved in. But we're seeing that some of the insurers are not necessarily quickly adapting to that. So talk about that democratization. Yeah, so super interesting concept. It's one that I personally use a lot. And really, when I use it, what I mean is insurance for many, many, many years, decades, I guess you could almost argue centuries, was distributed through a fairly limited number of avenues, right? You either went directly to the company or you went through an agent. Democratization of insurance simply means leverage for a lot of different reasons, partially the emergence of new risks, but more importantly, the innovation of some new technologies. You now see the offer of insurance showing up in more situationally specific places, right? You know, whether you're buying a vehicle or you're buying a home, or you're attempting to procure a small business loan. These are these are opportunities and circumstances for folks not traditionally in the insurance industry to make an insurance offer. And essentially what you're doing, or the way I characterize it is, you're meeting the customer where commerce and risk intersect, right? There are these different places, you know, whether it's the procuring of a mortgage, that requires you to have insurance or the procuring of an auto loan that requires you to have insurance or the procuring of a small business loan that requires you to have insurance. Those right there represent the intersection of commerce and risk. And that is where you begin to see these embedded insurance offerings being made. Let me digress for a second, because I think this is a really important point in the context of kind of where we are as an industry. You know, these rumors, the insurance agent kind of slowly <laughs> fading away and going into oblivion. It's absolute nonsense. You know, the death of the insurance agent has been wildly overstated. It'll be beyond my lifetime and probably my children's lifetime before I view any long-term threat to the insurance agent. And here's why. The reality of it is insurance can be a relatively complex product. And while I do see enabled by technology, data and analytics, uh, a simplification of insurance, I think for the foreseeable future, the reality of it is humans require kind of enablement to buy insurance. I call it the myth of the digital journey. There's this, I think, somewhat false belief in the industry that says that humans yearn for the day of not having to deal with another human to buy things like insurance. And I think while that's an interesting aspirational goal, and while there are certain products today that lend themselves to that, renter's insurance is the example I always throw out there. The reality of it is, and this has been statistically proven through studies and surveys, the reality of it is the of humans want to be carried across the finish line because they don't know what a mortgagee is. They don't know what a, a lessor is. They don't know what liability exactly means. So I think as an industry, we have a responsibility to strike the balance between technology and innovation and a reality of where the human is in terms of their, their trust level and their confidence level around these types of products. And as an industry, I think we have a responsibility to kind of help them and carry them along that journey. Couldn't agree more. The demise of agents has long been talked about, but if anything, yeah. they're getting stronger. And I think with operations like yourselves with Boltech, it provides a lot of different options that even the agents and agencies can use that become extremely valuable. That's exactly right. A couple comments about embedded insurance. I mean, right now, the distribution of insurance 
in an embedded way represents only about 1% of the total insurance market. So there's a tremendous opportunity, a tremendous yeah. upside opportunity for both, uh, for embedded insurance. And it's estimated that by 2032, 16% or $1.5 trillion in grocery and premium is going to be distributed in some form of embedded. So for those that are out there considering embedded insurance, there's a tremendous opportunity. We as Bolt love those prospects because we're the ones who enable embedded insurance, right? So we're B2B to C, right? So we're there to enable other people to embed insurance as well as embedding it ourselves. And another trend we see in embedded insurance is that migration to non-insurance brands, right? So I think insurance companies, insurance brokers are always going to be kind of at the forefront of embedded insurance, but you see this emergence of non-insurance brands, whether it be you know the airlines or whether it be real estate or mortgage concerns or automobile dealerships or OEMs. Or, and it's estimated that in the next 10 years, $5 trillion in grocery and premium will in some form be distributed in PNC and non-PNC insurance brands. And that's exciting. You know, with growth being top of mind for the industry, profitable growth at that too, there's this customer expectation gap though that we have found about what customers, particularly the younger generation that do want it easier and simpler and insurance accessible when and where they want it to your point about embedded. So the rise of these new channels like embedded insurance offer an opportunity for that growth. Couple of questions around that. First, what are you doing more specifically around embedded? And it really takes a level of different kinds of partnerships, not just with the insurance carriers, but also with the other entities that you're gonna sell the insurance through it. And that kind of takes a different kind of approach and thinking than maybe what we've done traditionally inside the insurance industry. And from that perspective, it's not just about the selling at the front end, but then it's also about the servicing on, on the way through. So kind of give your, your thoughts on that, Jim. Sure. So there's a couple different lenses through which you can look at that issue. So the first one is, as I said earlier, I do believe that as insurance carriers or risk bearers, begin to get their arms or continue to get their arms around the data and analytics that facilitates faster decision-making and more accurate decision-making. I think that's one track. I think that is going to continue to accelerate really the ability to distribute insurance products in an embedded way and digitally. And I believe it's also going to feed into better risk pricing and risk selection. So I think it's kind of your quintessential win-win-win. At long last, it appears like the insurance industry is beginning to wrap its head around. They already have the data. Now they're beginning to understand how to coalesce, organize, and use that data. So I think that's one thing that's going to facilitate an acceleration in embedded insurance. The other one, which is really where we spend most of our time, kind of our sweet spot, is in the continued improvement in the selling process and in the digital journeys. So what do I mean by that? Right now, there's this, you know, one of the things that quite frankly, negatively affects insurance sales and conversions digitally is really cumbersome and clunky customer experiences or total experiences as uh, the term is beginning yeah. to emerge. There's a lot of different ways to do that. The first one I just talked about, which was carriers getting more comfortable asking fewer questions because they're leveraging better data and analytics. But there's other ways to do that, right? There is, and this is where we spend much of our time. 
And I put it into three or four buckets. The first one is the ability to integrate into various ecosystems. So one of the things that we do is we'll integrate with CRMs and agency management systems and other systems to pass data into the Bolt exchange. Every bit of data we can pass into the exchange and pre-populate that journey is that many fewer questions the customer has to answer themselves. The second one is you've got some really, really terrific pre-fill providers out there, right? So they're providing different forms of pre-fill information. We use many, many of them. And that too serves to further, I guess, reduce the number of questions customers have to ask. And then kind of the third and fourth bucket, if you will, third bucket is predictive pre-fill bordering on AI, right? AI is finally beginning to emerge as more than just a buzzword. Right. I think for many yeah. years we all use the word, but I don't think a lot of people actually understood what the word meant. We're finally in, you know, with ChatGPT and other related technologies, people are now finally beginning to see exactly what that looks like in real life. But anyway, as you begin to incorporate that into some of these customer experience and total experience journeys, that too then begins to reduce. So, what does this all mean? Because at the end of the day, it boils down to economics, right? Mm-hmm. What this all means is the fewer questions the customer has to ask, answer themselves, and the clearer and more concise and easy to understand those journeys are, the more likely that consumer is to purchase something within that experience and the more likely that policy or that sale is going to convert, which then obviously results in better economics for all three of those parties you mentioned, right? The business making the offer, the distributor and the carrier. Everyone wins. It's a win, win, win. So we're all kind of aligned and moving toward that same goal. That's probably one of the most exciting things going on in embedded insurance. And I think that is what's going to supercharge that growth you and I have been talking about. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And and to your point, technology really provides that foundation to be able to do these types of things, create that connection, you know, between these different entities, leveraging the data and analytics, using different partners and data providers, using the cloud, AI, machine learning, core type of platform on the insurer side, and all the APIs that kind of go around it. Talk about, you said that Boltech is really being technology focused and it's cloud and API first focused as well. Why do you think that that tech foundation is so crucial for transformation and innovation, not just for you guys, but for the industry to think in those terms as well? It gives you flexibility. We describe ourselves as an API first uh, company. So what exactly does that mean? As an API first country, what that means is, as everyone knows, who knows even just a little bit about Bolt, we are an exchange, right? And very simply stated, an exchange is where buyers meet sellers. So on one side of our exchange, we call it supply. We've got about 100 unique carriers integrated via API into that exchange. It's personal lines and small commercial lines, and there's over 28 different lines of insurance. So the term we use for that number of different connections is liquidity. So we've got a massive amount of of liquidity. On the other side of the exchange, and this is getting to the API point, we've got different ways that we can make those APIs. And it's just one API, right? There's one API that connects into the exchange. And the beauty of it is it can be used in a multitude of different ways and a multitude of different places, right? So for us, 
we really put it into three categories. The first category is, you're not going to see this anywhere on our website. This is kind of the, the term I loosely use called retail, right? So if you're a small independent agent, you can literally go online to Bolt Access and you can subscribe to the exchange. You pay us a small monthly fee and in exchange for that monthly fee, you get two things. You get a cool piece of technology that enables you to quote and facilitate the placement of insurance. And then the second thing you get is actual access to those markets. But the important point there is they're using the same API our embedded customers are using. Our embedded customers really is anyone looking to add insurance to some broader suite of products and services. An example of that is uh, Keller Williams Realty. It's a technology-first realtor, real estate entity, largest by agent count in the country, possibly the world. They decided years ago that they wanted to not just facilitate home buying, but they wanted to be a one-stop home buying destination. So when you go to Keller Williams, you can now get a mortgage, you can get access to title insurance, you can get access to other services, and you can get access to homeowners insurance. It's our API that's powering their ability to make that available. And then finally, we leverage our APIs to help large insurance carriers offer choice, right? It allows them to do smarter risk selection. So you know, to summarize all of those different things, it's one pipe, right? We've got one type of API pipe that's facilitating all of those different things. And it makes us a very powerful, flexible, and I think probably most importantly, scalable exchange. So when we say API first, that's essentially what we mean, right? And then you mentioned cloud. There are probably other people listening to this that know far more about the kind of the technical aspects of cloud, but all I know is a as more of a business person is this, it gives you scalability, it gives you flexibility, it gives you security, it gives you a lot of awesome things that allow you to focus on the customer and focus on the actual distribution process. So that's kind of the way I look at it. But again, there are probably folks on listening to this podcast that know far more about cloud computing than I do. <laughs> So one of the things that I had shared with you that there's been some conversation going on in the marketplace, that there's a view that the exchanges like yourselves could become the next generation portal for agents and also for customers, you know, rather than going out and using the portals on every insurance carrier site to be able to kind of get their quote or to do what it is that they want to do. Talk about why you see the the role of exchanges um, are becoming increasingly valuable, not just for the buyers, but also for the sellers and also for the agents or the distributors. And how does that kind of flip from a selling to a buying concept where, you know, as an industry, we're always out there selling, we're lots of ads out there, you buy us type of thing. How do you see this next generation of exchanges kind of evolving? That's a great question. Gosh, it's been probably 20 to 25 years ago. We began to hear the term SEMSI. Remember way oh, back gosh, when yes. you first started hearing the term single? Oh, my Accord days. It brings it back to full force. <laughs> exactly. You know, essentially it, it referred to the concept of, or it's an acronym for single entry multi-company. You know, fundamental in answer to your question, I think that's where the exchange really creates way back when, when people were thinking about SEMSI and they were thinking about choice, which is the way we actually describe it. We're now at a point where exchanges are making that come to life and making that be real. There were a lot of things that needed to happen to make it, make it a true possibility. It's only been in the past five years where I would say carriers woke up to the fact 
that if they didn't have an API and the ability to connect into these exchanges to offer their insurance products, it was a threat, right? So these exchanges, the way we think about it, and I mentioned this super briefly in my opening comments, is we label it bulk choice, which is where we enable people to provide multiple quotes in one with one customer experience. If you're a carrier, it's a fantastic opportunity. This is kind of a more of a financial term than an insurance term, but it, I think it's literally accurate. It enables carriers to arbitrage. So if it's carriers offering choice, it enables them to arbitrage risk, meaning you know when you're inputting your information, they are evaluating in real time whether it meets their risk selection or it's in a territory that they're able to write business. If it's not, they don't have to drop you as a prospect. They can actually continue and place you with someone else within that exchange they're leveraging. So it's a really powerful way to provide, let me characterize it in economic terms. It's a massive CAC to LTV accelerator. And I think that's really exciting. On the other side of it, you've got what we call Bolt 1. And that's what I referenced before as the more simple journey, meaning the most common one that most people are familiar with is when you buy an airline ticket, you can buy trip insurance at checkout. It's simple, easy to understand, it's episodic, and it's really a yes, no. In essence, that provider, in this case, I live in Atlanta, so I'll pick on Delta Airlines. Delta Airlines has selected the carrier, Allianz, as the option. It's a yes or a no. So there's this continuum of single, simple selection, choice, complex selection. Regardless of where a certain circumstance rests along that continuum, exchanges are what enable the industry to provide that distribution optionality. So I think one of the key parts of the success that we briefly talked about, whether it's with the exchange or it's from an embedded insurance point of view, is the ability to really identify and manage these uh, partnerships. You shared a really interesting perspective that it's an approach from a coopetition or frenemies view rather than from a a competitor view. You know, what's been your approach as you're working within Tech, but more importantly, as you're working with other partners, um, including carriers, and what advice do you give to insurers about kind of reframing their thinking here? Because not everybody builds every kind of product, but some, some of your customers want other types of products that you don't build. So you got to kind of think a little bit differently. That's exactly right. We feel strongly bordering on passionately that you must collaborate to succeed in this particular environment, right? I mean, let's face it. We are at a relatively nascent stage in the insurance technology evolution. And no one company can solve for all of the global insurance coverage gaps. InsureTechs, I think, have not just a must, but they almost have a responsibility to combine their strengths with insurers, with non-insurance partners, even with each other to accelerate innovation and kind of, uh, you know, I guess it's your classic meet the customer where they are. So I have conversations all the time with folks from companies that to the less informed eye, they consider our competition, but you could have a situation where one day I'm competing with a certain company for a particular deal. And the next day, I very much could be collaborating with that particular company to solve a particular problem. 
I don't know how really this analogy holds up, but if you want to take kind of a stodgy old insurance comparison, think about the reinsurance industry, right? The reinsurance industry is a great example where in some circumstances you have reinsurers competing relentlessly against one another to win a particular deal. But then there's lots and lots of programs out there where reinsurers have no choice but to collaborate because only together can they actually provide the solution or the capacity that's needed in a particular situation. I kind of view the insure tech space, uh, particularly insurance distribution, in the same light. There are times when certainly we have what is required in that circumstance, someone else does too, and we're going to compete head to head. But there are going to be other times where a particular customer or a particular situation needs the best of what Bolt can bring to the table, as well as the best of what someone else can bring to the table. And quite frankly, I think that is a massively exciting part of doing what we're doing because it, it unleashes innovation to help solve problems. Yeah. And I think that that unleashing innovation, you've really been a part of uh, different types of partnerships. So I'd like to get some examples from you on what stands out around innovation, you know, from a product perspective, maybe from a market segment or a risk or an experience perspective in the different types of relationships and things that you're doing both here in the U.S. as well as around the world, uh, Jim, because I think sometimes what happens outside of the U.S. is sometimes the first, and it kind of comes into the U.S. from an innovation standpoint. Yeah, I think, first of all, as everyone knows, innovation is complex, but at its core, it happens when there's a specific problem to solve, and you have to solve it with kind of a new way of thinking. In other words, you have to solve it by doing something that either hasn't been done before or hasn't been done in that particular way. You know, I for me, two examples come to mind. The first one I touched on uh, briefly, and that was the Keller Williams example, right? So Keller Williams, in really two or three short years, transformed their entire house buying experience from simply facilitating buying to being a one-stop insurance buying destination. They were seizing on an opportunity, right? They saw what technology was available. They saw the logical intersections of commerce and risk or commerce and need by partnering with Keller Williams, working through what technology solutions specifically was required within their particular ecosystem, we were able to, to kind of help them innovate. And you know, one of the things we like to say at Bolt is we're not disruptors, we're enablers. We enable other people to disrupt. And I think Keller Williams is a great example of a, of a company that's truly at the forefront of disrupting the home buying uh, experience. Another one is a partnership we announced last year with a benefits or travel medical company called International Medical Group, IMG. And what we did is we've enabled IMG to embed Bolt's mobile device protection. So the insuring of cell phones is one of the products available within the exchange, but we've partnered with them to allow them to embed Bolt's mobile device protection solution, both from a distribution perspective, it happens to be one of the few lines where we also provide some risk capital as an additional add-on. When you purchase a travel, in their case, it's called Patriot Travel, when you purchase their market-leading travel medical insurance offering, you know what's the one thing that people, particularly when they're traveling international, should not or cannot live without? It's the cell phone, gosh forbid something bad happens, an accident happens, you get lost, you get, you run into some type of logistical problems. Without your cell phone, it's significantly harder to solve it. So how cool is it that now you can purchase device protection insurance when you're traveling international to give you that peace of mind that were something to happen, 
you can quickly replace or repair that particular device. So those are two examples of where we partnered with a customer who knew they had a need or an opportunity. And we worked together to kind of innovate those types of solutions. And then kind of on the more inwardly looking front, I mean, we're constantly looking to innovate, you know, whether it be predictive prefill or kind of leveraging technology to build kind of more beautiful and, and seamless journeys. There's all, all sorts of other interesting innovation that the industry is wrapping around. So those are just some examples from us. And uh, again, as I've said before, that's the fun stuff. And it's frustrating sometimes, but that's the fun stuff. Yeah. And I just think that the other aspect is, is just opening it up to be able to kind of look at every channel possible, you know, to drive growth. And I think that that's what you guys are doing in a lot of different areas. Why our customers who are using our core systems are really looking and expanding across into the exchanges like Tug, as well as other types of opportunities around embedded. It's, it's definitely the future and it's where customers will find it easier to buy at the time that they need it, where I loved your comment and it's where really risk kind of meets you at the point that you need it. That's exactly right. Yeah. Commerce and risk. I always like to end the conversation, Jim, with this question and not to put any pressure on you, but we've done well over 80, 85 podcasts and I've only had four or five duplicates. If you could describe the future of insurance in a word or a phrase, what would it be and why? I think most people listening to this podcast probably are already thinking to themselves, I know what he's going to say. I really, I really do. I really do believe it's embedded, right? Embedded insurance, democratization of, of distribution, it's happening and we see it rapidly accelerating rate. It's made possible by you know the rise in digital distribution. It's made possible by kind of new and emerging risks that require point of purchase selling. You know, traditionally or really the first ones we began to see were the simple ones, right? It's the travel insurance when you purchase a flight. But Now you're beginning to see, as we've been talking about over the past uh, half hour or so, you're beginning to see more and more complex, higher ticket products be sold. And that has only been made possible by the emergence of choice, the ability to offer multiple options for the more complex products, because the more complex the product becomes, the less one size fits all the offering will be. And you're also, as we've talked about, you're beginning to see that accelerate into more diverse or I guess omni-channel purchasing experiences. As I said at the opening of this podcast, whether it's buying a car, getting a small business loan, buying a home, taking a trip, et cetera, the opportunities to provide that are beginning to increase. So clearly I believe it's embedded. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that it's going to just gradually creep up and it's going to surprise a lot of people in the industry that are prepared for it. So what you guys are doing are going to help insurers prepare for it, but uh, they've got to kind of get on board with a different technology foundation and a different view of how do you reach a market and how do you have different partnerships? So Exactly. To you and your team, Jim, you guys have done uh, some amazing things over the last number of years, and I'm looking forward to seeing more. Uh, We appreciate it. Thank you, Denise. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time. Mm -hmm.